Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Poplar Propcast. I am your host, Justin Libernet, with you as always on this Tuesday. So today we're going to be taking a look at something that I think is really important to most of the people that are listening to us these days, and that's specifically the imbalance of information between the two sides in a lot of these exchanges. So inside of real estate, you often have one party that knows quite a bit more than the other party. And then the work through of the contract is an attempt to normalize that. So escrow is the easiest example to kind of talk about because when you're in escrow, you're sitting there trying to get all the information out so that both sides know an equal amount about the property. So they make sure that they're getting a fair price, they're getting what they pay for, and nothing's being hidden about the property, that it was used as a meth house, or that the beams were put in and there's an unpermitted uh, plumbing in the walls, right? So things that could be a massive defect in the home, you're trying to fix that imbalance of power. But in the same way, there's a lot of pieces where that imbalance of information goes a little bit further. When you're in the home buying process, you probably are only going to do that once or twice in your life if you're a normal person. Maybe once if you're the most normal person. Everybody else that's stepping up homes or buying investment properties is in this a little bit more. But say you switch to a new state and there's new laws and new restrictions that couple there and kind of put an impingement on you. So now you have another case where you don't know everything. But the person on the other side of that equation usually does know everything. I mean, that's one of the reasons that real estate agents, licensed agents, realtors, the National Association of Realtors, the National Association of Real Property Managers, these groups come around and say, look, we're going to do continuing ed. We're going to keep on top of it so that you don't have to keep on top of it. You can hire us for our knowledge and we'll come in and we'll work on your behalf to keep you as educated. So that's the theory. What we've seen recently, though, in practice doesn't quite line up with that. We talked recently about the Department of Justice bringing case against realtors. It's, it's this big antitrust question where they're saying, should the buyer's agent get a commission that is paid by the seller's side? Or does that compromise the integrity of the deal? Does it make it so that the buyers don't really know how their agent is being compensated and doesn't realize that they may not necessarily be acting 100% in their best interest. Realtors and licensed agents will argue that they always act in their best interest, but we have heard anecdotal stories. I'm not going to point any fingers because these are water cooler conversations, but we have heard anecdotal stories about agents who, if the commission is lower than 3%, if it's a 1% commission or a half a percent commission or a flat fee, they might try to dissuade and steer their client away from that home. So these imbalances in information have real effect. The latest one that's come up, and this is the one that we're going to be talking about today, is around pricing for apartment buildings. Now, this one is fascinating to me because having worked at um, a large national property owner before coming to work at Poplar, I was privy to their pricing process, and now I'm privy to our pricing process. And to give you a quick overview of what we look at, um, when we're pricing a home, we talk to the owner of the property and find out what they're trying to aim for, what they want their price to be. We go, okay. And we look at it in the light of day against what else is on the market. We take into account any special features of that property. Now, once we've kind of done that analysis and gotten what our called comps, which are competitive properties. They're very similar to it. And they've recently rented for a price. We go, yeah, 
we think you may get that price. Or we go back to them and say, yeah, we think that price might be a little high, it might be a little low. We wanna try going to market at this price. But in that conversation, what we're doing is trying to analyze what the owner's goals are. If they want to get the highest price possible and don't mind if it sits on the market and waits for the appropriate tenant to come along, finding that resident, then it may take us you know, a couple of months to find somebody if you're talking about a gigantic home that's 6,000 square feet and rents for $4,500 a month. It's gonna take longer to find somebody in that block of properties. Now, when you get to the more normal homes that are four bedroom, two and a half bath, 1,500 square feet, they're pretty normal. They sit right in the middle in that sweet spot where it's pretty easy to rent them these days. So then what we do is we go to market with the rent the owner asks and watch the behavior of the property. How many people are interested in it? How many people save it? How many tours does it get? How often are we getting applications started, finished, like all these steps. And so we start looking at that and that gives us a basis to kind of start figuring out, okay, there's something that people aren't responding to once they get to the property because they're going to visit it, but they're not actually starting an application. So we'll go and look at the property again and say, does the property present poorly? When you walk in the door, is it clean? Is there something in the neighborhood that puts people off? Is there something that we need to work on to make sure that this property rents correctly? And if there isn't something with the property, then it may be the price. It may be that they get to the property and it's not worth what we're listing it at. At that point, we'll go back to the owner and have a discussion and move it if we need to. The reason I talk about that pricing and the reason I talk about that process is so that you can get some idea of what's happening on the other side. So most of what we deal with is single family rentals. We do work with 33 Realty. They have all multifamily. And so they have a lot more of a, a diversified asset base. Uh, they also have some commercial stuff and then some single families as well. But the core poplar piece is those single family rental properties. They're standalone. They don't connect with uh, another property's walls unless they're a duplex or a triplex. But in apartments, you have a different product because you have the same floor plan over and over and over again. So you have three to five floor plans in an apartment, often with reversals. So there's a left-handed and a right-handed version of it. Some that have better views than others, like there's different factors. So when you're pricing that product, it's a lot more like pricing things off of the shelf because you have a backlog of product. With a single family rental, I only have one four bedroom, two and a half bath on this street. It faces this way. These are, this is the pool it comes with. This is what the property is. This is how much land you have. These are the parking spaces. With an apartment, you have a lot more flexibility in what you can buy inside of that apartment. You can wait list for a specific floor plan. You can wait list for a specific floor if you want. But this article came out in ProPublica and it opens with a catch statement that kind of says what the article is about. It says Texas-based RealPages YieldStar software helps landlords set prices for apartments across the U.S. With rent soaring, critics are concerned that the company's proprietary algorithm is hurting competition. So that's what the article is about. That's what they're going to talk about. That's what they're going to go into. And they went in and they investigated um, what was happening and how YieldStar works and how it sets apartments. And if you go to YieldStar's page on realpage.com, what they say is that 
Yieldstar Revenue Management is there to optimize rent pricing. Yieldstar owner, and this is from realpage.com. Yieldstar owners can price each unit daily by reviewing all property, market, and concession data to set the best rent to help stabilize occupancy and maintain profitability. So when you hear people talk about things like Yieldstar, it's considered a revenue management toolkit. There's some stuff in here it does that is super awesome and I don't think it's, it's bad at all. It actually really helps the apartment level out their workload. So the way that that works is you have a certain amount of work that you can do in any given month on an apartment building. So you have a staff that you want to normalize the work for. You want a number of turns that they can do, which means somebody moves out, you got to clean the apartment, do the deposit accounting, take into account anything that needs to be fixed, and then flip it and get somebody else in there. And usually that turn can take anywhere from a week to a month, depending on what's going on in there. Some could even be faster, depending on the quality of the apartment. But that shift, if you had everybody in your apartment, say you've got a 50-unit apartment building, and everybody in that apartment signs a lease January of 2022, and they all move out in January of 2023, that is not helpful. That's going to be all your work in one month and no other time to do it. So what this does is it takes a look at when you have move-outs scheduled, when the likely move-outs are going to be, and then you tell it, you go, I want this many move-outs a month. I want at most 10 move-outs a month. And what it's gonna do is it's gonna change the price for the move-out month and extend the renter's lease so that they're, they're paying for the privilege of having a slightly longer lease, usually with a discount, and then if they were gonna move out in that month when there's already the number of move-outs you want, there's a premium on that. So you're using price as an incentive to normalize the workload for your apartment staff. That's not just turns, but also leasing and um, moving in, moving out, the use of the elevators, all that stuff. You're, you're normalizing it so it's not like freshman dorm day and everybody's moving in and nobody knows what's going on. That is a really cool feature. So it has neat stuff it does. It's a revenue maximizer. It's there to try and help you figure out how your stuff goes together. Now, where it gets funky and where this ProPublica story goes is it, it talks to a bunch of apartment managers and it looks at the saturation in different markets because Yieldstar has become kind of a, a standard for certain apartment owners and communities. And when you have some of those apartment owners are larger and own many apartment buildings across the country, all using this, this tool it means that you have a marketplace that believes in one source of truth. And when the market starts, place starts believing in one source of truth, it gets controlled. And that's why this is coming up. That's why they're being investigated. That's why there's, there's lawsuits coming around. That's why there's even a, a, a class action status um, on this. So what, what, what does that mechanism look like? How does that work? So Yieldstar real page, Yieldstar sits there and it looks at data that it's not going to show the other apartments, right? So it's looking at all these listings and saying, you know what, we can get another 10%, 12% this month, because that's what it looks like the market is doing. It looks like the market is trending up. It looks like more people are moving in. It looks like there's pressure on the market. And so universally, and this is me 
as an outsider, having not used Yieldstar and not using RealPage, trying to describe and figure out from these articles how I think it works. And so it looks at that and it goes, okay, this market, say you're in Boston, the Boston market is going up. We're having a pressure on the rental market. And so what it does is it takes and the apartments that are using it, the price goes up. Now, when they go up, they don't go up kind of this one goes up and then all the, the lower rent ones get rented real quick and then there's just some higher rent ones. It's No, they all go up because it's not just one apartment building or two apartment buildings. In some markets, it was saying that there's as much as 70% of the apartment stock is being controlled by Yieldstar. And so 70% of the market is being governed by that. And I don't know how that breaks out, right? So the the shift back and forth between mid-market, high-market, low-market, um, school density, all those things factor into this. But when you have that many properties on it, you have a market that's being controlled and influenced by one factor. And that's what RealPage thinks the market should do based on its demand metrics. So in 2017, they purchased a second company that was doing the same thing. So there's different ways that you can do these, these algorithms. There's different ways you can price it. And there's a rival software called lease rent options. And it's, there are different people writing different algorithms to try and figure out how to rent these and maximize revenue. It's not a bad thing that different people are approaching it differently, but Yieldstar RealPage was able to purchase LRO and in 2017 they just kind of let it go through now the guy that was putting together this this um, algorithm for real page this guy named named Roper and Roper was the principal scientist from 2004 on so when they went and got this other company this LRO company they looked at it and said hey if we get them and our algorithm, put them together, we're going to be in great shape. So um, Donald Davidoff was the primary developer for the lease rent options. And Jeffrey Roper is the guy that's working at Yieldstar. And Davidoff was doing the best he could to avoid features that might run against anti-discrimination laws, uh, the Fair Housing Act. And he was trying to keep competitors from using this tool to literally conspired to set prices. He talked to attorneys. Here's a quote from him. I had many conversations with attorneys to understand where the boundaries are. Anybody who's building one of these systems or is involved in these should care a lot about fair housing and should care a lot about price collusion to avoid both. Now, when he was talking to ProPublica, Roper says that he was also concerned about avoiding both issues. He said he didn't want to misuse private dating. He didn't want to misuse private data. Um, he was highly sensitized to it. He said, I was highly sensitized to. You just don't do it. So then RealPage requires LOR, LRO, and they smash these two together. And that, you know, it goes from one and a half million units to almost three million units. And this is in 2017. And he says that three million units, you know, that's not that many in the apartment market. But if you know anything about companies, they tend to pick one market and focus on it first and then slowly expand. So it may have been three million, but it was rather, rather concentrated. 
So their main target was multifamily buildings with five or more units. And so out of the 45 million rental units, that's about 19 million of those. And these were getting picked up by Wall Street investors. And those guys love this stuff. So once you get to that point, you start to achieve this critical mass, this kind of inflection point where you get more property managers on it. It gets more data. It's pricing more properties. And those are the only pricing, only properties that are competitive. The returns that you get on this is harder to do when you don't. Um, Graystar and FPI management, Equity Residential, Lincoln Property Company, Mid-America Apartment Communities, communities all of those manage them, manage a whole bunch of buildings in these, these big markets. They don't have a lot of buildings in places like Philly, Tampa, and Chicago. So they did this analysis. They started looking where they had concentration, where RealPage has concentrated um, clients in one spot. So <clears throat> in looking at five of the country's top 10 property managers, those ones that we were just talking about, they all use five in most of their buildings. And together they control thousands of apartments in those areas. So in places like Denver, Nashville, Atlanta, and Seattle, Rents for a typical two-bedroom rose 30% or more between 2014 and 2019. They also control fewer buildings in metro areas such as Philly, Tampa, and Chicago, and their rents increase more slowly. So this split starts to show that. They go that there's, if you have a concentration of people using Yield Star in a market, it drives rents up. In other markets, it raises slower where they have left less data. That's what ProPublica's kind of conclusion is here. It's, it's really interesting because it, it trips onto this point where there may not be intent to collude, but because of the way the algorithm is written, it's almost impossible not to collude. And that's compounded by the fact that if you're an apartment owner in a large metro area, you are 100% going to see the prices that your competitors have. You're gonna call them and go, hey, what's that apartment renting for? It's, it's, it's the same as going to a grocery store if you're Hershey's and seeing what a Mars bar sells for, right? So that's normal. The big difference there though is that the advertised price for a unit, what you're gonna tell people is the starting point. The second part is the negotiation in pseudo. It's when you get together with that leasing agent and go, you know what, we really wanna stay here. What if we sign a two-year lease? Can we get a lower lower price and then we'll, we'll guarantee at least two years? What if we um, you know, switch this unit for that unit? How about we don't have a view or maybe the one by the laundry room, right? So there's these variables inside the building and variables inside the lease that changes the actual pricing. Real page through Yieldstar has that data too. So it gets to actually look at what the rent is actually being paid and not what was advertised. And that, that's even deeper data. And so it can make you make you really kind of start go, oh, geez, they are um, really sharing all their information. It's hard if you own an apartment building with 50 units in Chicago and another one 50 units in New York to use the data of those two properties to try and predict where the market is going. It's hard if you have 10 different apartment buildings inside of Chicago to predict where those rates are going. Because oftentimes each apartment building is using its own software to manage that apartment building, right? So you, you're using Appfolio or Buildium, whichever you're gonna use, um, you sit there and you put in 
here is the property, here are the different floor plans, here are the different units, here are the different door numbers, and you, you build your property in there. RealPage is a data company, so it knows how to get that data out. And Buildium, Appfolio, all these companies are becoming more and more open to API integrations and letting people have access to their data. And so that extraction of data means RealPage has this massive, massive awareness of what's being rented, what's actually being rented. Now, you compare this to, say, Zillow and Zillow's rent, rent estimate. So on Zillow's rent estimate, they're not going off actual leases. They're going off advertised prices. They're going off advertised prices and competitive properties. And it's usually attached to a single family home, which vary drastically in what you're going to pay per property based on the age of the kitchen, based on the amenities that are there, based on the bathrooms, based on the flooring, based on how cost effective the windows are. Double panes will command a slightly higher price than just like 1950s windows that are in there and slide up and down on, on shuttered wood. So you get my point I'm making is that Single families have this complication to renting them and pricing them that really comes from knowledge of the market and knowledge of the property. With apartments, they're a much more homogenous piece of, they're a much more homogenous good. It's more likely that you can go find a two bedroom, one bath that's extremely similar in layout and location in almost every city. So, this kind of leads to this push on rents, especially in apartments. And remember, the apartments are almost always more affordable than single-family rentals. And because of that, you have more people in lower-income jobs renting apartments. This also means that those people are bearing the brunt of Yieldstar's profit-seeking. So they did a. This is still ProPublica. They did a look at Seattle. They were looking at people in a variety of jobs that were spending more than 30% of their income on rent. And they looked at the 10 occupations where the share of rent burdened households jumped the most from 2014 to 2019. So keep in mind that this is pre-pandemic data. And we all know that in 2020, 2021, and 2022, rents in Seattle have continued to increase at record prices. But between 2014 and 2019, grounds maintenance workers saw their percentage of income go from 55 to 75%. Food service supervisors, 44 to 65%. Accountants and auditors went from 24 to 35%. Police officers, 13% to 32%. Software developers, 12 to 15%. And IT managers, 11 to 14%, right? So this is where you start to really see it as a tax almost on the working class. This is definitely hitting them because they don't have options. They don't have that that ability to move as easily as other people do. And the pandemic exacerbates that. People that are IT managers and software developers move to Houston or um, Oregon or Nevada or, you know, lots of Texas. You know, people are going there. Iowa, Idaho, Boise's popular. But if you're a groundskeeper, if you're a food service supervisor, if you're a delivery driver, if you're a police officer, it's a lot harder to move. So this kick up in your rent is making you stuck 
and poorer, which is just awful. So this piece with Yieldstar and RealPage, we're going to watch and keep seeing what happens. Because now it's, you know, Federal Trade Commission, Department of Justice, there's a legal case. This is going to go through and there may be a class and a whole bunch of renters are going to be a part of that class. When Marine K. Olhausen, who was then the chair of the FTC, uh, gave a 2017 talk about competitors all using the same algorithm, she said, this is fun, she suggested substitute a guy named Bob instead of the word algorithm. So then she asks, is it okay for a guy named Bob to collect confidential price strategy information from all the participants in a market and then tell everybody how they should price? If it isn't okay for a guy named Bob to do it, then it probably isn't okay for an algorithm to do it either. So this is being looked at in a really smart way by really smart people. It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. So keep an eye on it. Go read the ProPublica article. I'll link it in the, the episode description. But that ProPublica article is what spurred this Department of Justice lawsuit. It was filed just days after the article. And so those renters that are filing this lawsuit are trying to get a class. And if they can get a class, this could be huge. With all the other stuff going on in the rental market and affordability, this, this could be quite a turn. But we'll have to wait and see how this rolls. It depends on... What judge takes it, it depends on what legislation may be coming through and around the works. So keep an eye on it. I think it's really interesting. As it goes, I'll bump back in here and I'll I'll label this as part one. I have no idea when a part two is coming. But when a part two does come, we'll talk a little bit more about it. It'll probably be around the trial, so uh, quite a bit later. Um, But then eventually I'll put them together if there's more interest in this. If there is, let me know. Of course, if you need property management services for your single family home. We are happy to help and we are happy to talk to you about how we price, which is literally a bunch of us kind of working through the numbers, then handing it back to you and going, you decide, do you want it on the market for 30 days, two weeks, 60 days, and what price do you want? And we'll do our best to get it for you. You can find us at poplar.home slash pod. That's poplar.homes slash pod. Thanks a lot. Go read the ProPublica article. And read up on what RealPage is doing. There may be parts of it that you can use. It's actually really fascinating. The good parts of it are super useful. This other stuff is kind of just interesting to see how this shakes out and what happens with it. So we'll keep an eye on it. Again, poplar.home slash pod. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>